0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic is ADHD and autism from the inside out. This is a real special show. We're bringing together Elaine taylor Claus of Impact Parents. Uh, she works with uh, parents of complex kids. And uh, Caroline Ritenour, somebody I had worked with for a period of time and then went on in life. And um, I'm not going to go into a lot more detail because I don't want to steal her thunder. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show. And then just email me the the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad, we'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show.
2: Do you have questions you'd like to ask someone knowledgeable about ADHD? CHAT's National Resource Center Helpline is the only place where you can receive an individualized response from a health information specialist on the full range of issues concerning ADHD. Our English and Spanish-speaking specialists are available Monday through Friday from 1 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time at 866 200 8098
0: uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information to donate or to uh become a member go to chadd.org. Elaine, Caroline, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. Hi, thank good to be having here. Me.
0: Okay, everybody, this is a really fun show. Who knows what's going to happen? I've learned over the years that you don't script stuff. You bring people all together and you have a conversation and the best stuff comes out. I've done this a lot with Elaine. Uh, The genesis of this show is uh, self-awareness. And Karen had reached out to me some time ago for some ADD coaching and we got together and it was an interesting experience because I normally need to work with people a minimum of three months and, and sometimes longer. But it was interesting because Caroline came in and she was just killing it. And the self-awareness that she had of her ADHD and the system she put in place was really kind of interesting to me. And I really didn't do anything more than validate that she's like, yeah, you're doing everything right. You're doing the way you're supposed to. And it was a real joy working with her. And since the time that we've done that, she's got diagnosed later of autism. And it's amazing to her that when she got that, she began to articulate some stuff. And so she's here to kind of talk about Her experience inside of her head, looking outside and what makes some sense for some of our listeners to kind of connect to that. Elaine's helping parents of complex kids, and she's dealt a lot more with ADHD and autism. I've run into a little bit with adults, but not quite as much. So that's what we're here about, and really just to have a conversation to see if we can data mine, if you will, Caroline's brain and what she's learned. So. I want to begin with, you know, Caroline, can you just give us a little short background about your history of your life coming in and struggling with neurodiversity? And again, we could probably spend a whole show on that, but
3: outline that a little bit and we'll just kind of go from there. Sure. So I didn't get an ADHD diagnosis until um, the summer of 2018, and Ironically, so I I was um, I have a swim background. I've been a swimmer my whole life. I have, was coaching. I had some kids come on the program um, that had autism, and I started reading. Um, so I started working with kids on the spectrum and teaching them how to swim, learning about that. Then I started reading about girls on the spectrum because I was noticing that they presented differently than boys that I was working mm-hmm. with in the pool and. I remember reading these articles about, you know, girls with Asperger's and which was in the DSM at the time and going, huh, this sounds like my childhood. So I took it into my therapist, like, you know, I'd highlighted all these things and they were mostly executive dysfunction type things I'd highlighted. And I said, do I have Asperger's? And she's, you know, you can't have it now because it's not in the DSM and all that stuff. And she said, what you're highlighting is actually ADHD. And I said, like, oh, Okay, and so she reads me the DSM, and I go, okay, that all makes sense, and so that's the, you know, that I get the diagnosis for ADHD. And now it's 2022, and we've had COVID, and there's been a shutdown where, you know, life changed exponentially for me. My whole life has been centered around swimming up until the COVID pandemic started. So I had this routine that I've, this is some of this I've figured out too since the diagnosis. But I've had this routine of um, essentially like going to school all day, then going to the pool at night, which translated as an adult that was coaching, you know, office work during the day, coaching at night. Life didn't really change. Um, COVID changed everything. I'm no longer in the water. I'm no longer on the pool. Um, my husband and I have a meal prep and food service company that we started and it took off during the COVID pandemic. And my life has exponentially shifted since then. I now I spend my days working on our business and the administrative side, and then, I teach swim lessons still for fun um, two days a week and, um, and, and for enjoyment. And I work with primarily kids with special needs and things. So getting that ADHD diagnosis kind of made a lot of sense at the time. But then when that COVID pandemic hit, my routine, like my, my things that had kept me grounded were gone. I had a really difficult time and I didn't really understand what was going on and I really struggled. I found FocusMate, which is an online platform with body doubling that I use all the time. And I'm at almost, I just hit 3,500 sessions yesterday which is an insane amount of time to be on a body doubling site. But through all that kind of stuff, I started realizing as the world started reemerging what things were actually difficult for me in the real world and what wasn't. And that kind of started to make me really think that I maybe still had some things lying under the surface. So that was kind of when I started looking more into adult autism. I took every single test I could find on like embraceautism.com, all that stuff and everything was showing off the charts And that's how I got here. I finally found a neurodiverse therapist and got a diagnosis just about a month ago now.
2: Congratulations. Thank you. Can I just ask, you know, you're not
3: supposed to ask people their age, but how old were you when you were diagnosed? Oh, yeah, sure. No, I, that's fine. You can ask me that. So I was 36 when I got an diag- ADHD okay. diagnosis. So I have I turned 40 in May. So I joke to everyone that for my 40th birthday, I got an autism diagnosis. Yeah. Um, I got myself, that was my big present to myself. And life just makes yeah. a little bit more sense with it. And yes. I yeah, I was pretty much self-diagnosed. I've been treating myself for like over a year now like I was autistic. I just kind of assumed and started coming up with like using strategies and things to work with and, you know, working with people on focus me, I have a friend in the UK that's on the spectrum and, and has, you know, asked like, are you sure you're just ADHD? Cause, um, your brain and my brain are a lot of like, you know, and you start to, when people on the spectrum tell you you're probably on the spectrum, you know, you're onto something, um, because mm-hmm. they're, you know, information givers. So, um, and we had a long ongoing joke for the longest time. It was all this and no autism diagnosis. I have a pyramid diagram I came up with that shows what I need to do kind of like each week to be like my base to be, you know, regulated. And all this stuff that apparently is very autistic like that I just didn't know was autistic because I was just dealing with it. So here we are. So
0: so while I'm listening to you describe some of that, and I've heard a lot of this, you know, Elaine, I'm hearing, uh aha, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh the Thoughts and what mm-hmm. comes to mind with you on just in what she's saying?
2: Well, so so just sort of contextually, right? And and so part of those uh-huhs where I'm with you, I was diagnosed at 40 with learning and attention issues, and it's like, oh, all of a sudden my whole <laughs> life made sense. But, but the, the thing that really I want to highlight is that, you know, back in the day, thing called, um, Asperger syndrome, and then it was eliminated in 2013 with the DSM, and it was kind of brought under the umbrella of, of autism spectrum or ASD. Um, there is there is some conversation about whether it should have ever been eliminated. There's been a lot of controversy around that, um, and so I don't want to go down a deep rabbit hole of what is you know high functioning versus low functioning versus you know whatever. But but one of the things you said early that really struck me was that girls present, present differently than boys. And we're beginning to see girls being diagnosed with autism in a way we didn't because the more we understand it, the more we're beginning to see how we missed it for many, many years. Mm-hmm. The, the other piece that I think is really important, and I promise there's a question behind this, is that once the, the, the DSM changed in 2013, before that, a provider had to diagnose either ADHD or autism, but could not diagnose both. Yes. That changed in 2013. And when a provider was then given the license, if you will, to diagnose both ADHD and autism in the same human being, the numbers skyrocketed. And, I, and I'm not going to be able to quote for you the exact statistics, but there is a correlation one way and the other, somewhere in the 50 to 70% range, very high. Wow. Um, and mm-hmm. and I and, and again, I'll get the numbers wrong of w- which direction it goes. So I'm I'm not going to try to get it right. But it's, it's shockingly high correlation between autism and anxiety and and ADHD. Wow. And anxiety, in there too. You, and there's anxiety, <laughs> right? Well, and there's now research finally coming out that lets us understand that perhaps ASD is is in the autism in the anxiety realm. But anyway. The question I want to ask you is what was different for you? You had an ADHD diagnosis. You were managing the executive function. The world shifted. You started seeing these other symptoms. What were the other challenges or symptoms that appeared to you as a woman with ASD that were different from just the ADHD?
3: Sure. So um, it took me a while to get on the right medication for my ADHD that worked best for me. I'm on Vivance now and it's like my magic and I'm on the right dose. And it's like, um, I remember when I first tried, you know, started and I was like, Oh, there's-. I didn't even know I had anxiety until it went away. And I was like, wait, like I was so mm-hmm. chill that like, my swim <laughs> parents were like, what's going on with you? Like you're weird. And I was like, I don't know. And then it turned out, it was like, Oh, it was this, you know? But you know, I think some of it too was with the shutdown, like I just didn't understand like I also had some trauma stuff and there's a, you know, that goes along with the autism if you're never really understood. Right. Um, But like, I, so I worked through the trauma, I got on the right meds. I was able to focus. I learned that I was doing things right. Um, But what I I started to notice was like, um, I would go to like a networking event with like 300 people and it would take me two days to recover. And I was like, Oh, I'm just getting old. And then I thought, wait, no, I've actually always been like this. I just never understood that's what I needed because life was so stressful, chaotic, traumatic, difficult, um, that I didn't understand, you know, even with the ADHD, right? It would just, you know, I'd just blow over it and keep on going. Some of that came about, um and also like, not having that routine anymore of swim, you know, just shifted everything to where You know, and for me, you know, I haven't been in the pool now for about a month um, because I take a break in August and into halfway into September. And I can tell that I'm not as regulated as I was, like, when I'm in the pool a couple days a week. Like, I'm not okay if I'm not in the water all the time. And I think for part of childhood for me, um, I I was a swimmer and I also played piano. And both of those are very, um, like, when I look back, they met a lot of sensory needs that I just didn't know I even Mm -hmm. had, right? Like, the water is quiet. You got the hug. You have all that stuff. And then you have um, the piano, which is a constant puzzle. My kindergarten teacher, I, I kid you not, told my mom to get me piano lessons because I would never figure it out. And we look back at that now, and I look at that with an autism diagnosis, and I go, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's always yeah, something there's new to learn and a new puzzle, right? Like, every, there's always a challenge. There's always something to learn. Um, there's the repetition of learning a new song. There's the repetition of playing. The other thing that I've figured out, like, I thought that like everybody just was better at feelings than me, and I just don't have that ability to really understand my feelings and understanding after working for years with feeling cards and things that like there's actually a deficit there not just a like i don't get this right like i just don't like there's almost a disability here and i can't figure it out and mm-hmm. i cannot remember the term what's the term it starts with an a um for people that have a hard time identifying their feelings um oh i can't remember right now i'm not Sorry. going to pull it i know what you mean but I'm not <laughs> going to it. yeah um, okay
2: yeah Yeah, so so like even for that like
3: noticing that I just felt differently like I've always been able to feel I feel very deeply which is why it was always so confusing me people were like you seem so not empathetic I'm like are you kidding me like my heart hurts for you all the time like I can't stop thinking about it ruminating thoughts repetitive thoughts all that stuff now that I see it through the lens of autism I go oh right like you kind of oh so
2: yeah Yeah. that's where that's the most it's it, so so the things yeah. if I can encapsulate what I just heard was something about the word that one of my kids uses is peopling. Peopling is hard. Yes, and oh, when you would so get hard. back out into the world of peopling, right after after time away in COVID, it took you days to recover from what you used to mask and push through in some way. Yes, exactly. Okay. And then there's this awareness of the self-regulation, not self-regulation, the emotional regulation, and and that ability to, to not only feel, but to know what to do with that feeling and to know how to regulate yeah. that feeling.
3: Yes. Right. Yeah, trying to figure all that out is a little tricky sometimes. And I mm-hmm. I used to just say, like, I need space because I didn't have good language for what was going on. And, like, now that I understand it through an autism lens I look back and I'm like oh that's a sensory overload I just didn't have language to say that's what I'm in and I just felt like the whole world was closing in on me and you know like the smallest noise and the lights and the and it would just be like the world was not enough space in the world and and I couldn't figure out why I needed to be alone so much or what right like I I did photography Mm -hmm. I did piano I played I swam they're all very individual sports you know, activities, um, which allow me to be social, but within some constraints, right? Like when you're swimming, you only talk at the wall, like in between
2: sets, (laughs)
3: there's not a whole lot of
2: socializing in terms of peopling. In so, so let's, let's pen sensory Jeff and come back to that
0: let's go to commercial we'll come back everybody um, our secret tonight is out O-U-T so for those that are interested in learning more about Elaine Taylor-Claus go to impactparents.com we'll go to a commercial message and we'll be right back after these messages your life your world your choice this is Attention
1: Talk Radio are you always late? the Time Timer is an award winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better as time passes Timetimer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off.
0: Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com ATR. That's A-D-D-C-A dot com slash A-T-R. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by DigCoaching.com. And now,
1: back to Attention Talk Radio.
0: Welcome back, everybody. We are here having a great conversation with Karen Lane, trying to... uh, learn a lot more about ADHD and autism and from the inside out. And so we're having a conversation about what's kind of going on as we move through the questions and stuff like that, Carolina, I want to emphasize your, for the people that are listening to the show, the discernment and the understanding that you have to try to speak to them to kind of give them some insights on what, what's, what you're seeing kind of going on before the break, we were talking about, you know, since century kind of overlay in 10th century. And uh, I wanted to kind of hold that Elaine, you want to pick up from where we left off?
2: Well so so you know I started off the question about what's the difference between ADHD and autism and and I don't mean that we're going to answer that all simply here but you know this audience knows a lot about ADHD and we're introducing this this new realm and and that sensory piece is often common in both but you spoke earlier about executive function challenges which is very common in ADHD and what we've seen in, in our work with the with people who have both, or or when we're trying to figure it out, is is really more of this emotional regulation, sensory piece. When there's this um, uh, a, an intensive way of feeling, I often describe it as you know the rest of the world is in the middle, and and people with, with on the spectrum are, are on those edges, feeling everything very deeply. The highs are higher, the lows are lower, but it's not like you know manic depression or something it's just this intensity so does that resonate for you caroline
3: it does um sometimes uh, even like if, when i'm talking to my husband i'm trying to convey like how much he really means to me i can't ever feel like i can fully articulate how i feel like the depths of how mm-hmm. i feel um and how strong that is um and ironically piano was like the one was the way i learned to express myself through like express emotion was through piano Um, and it helped me because maybe I can't verbalize how I feel but I can definitely pour out how I feel through music which apparently is also somewhat of an autistic kind of thing (laughs) I've been reading about recently like and, and so I just think about how my childhood was this like perfect storm of sensory and processing and all sorts of things that I needed. I just didn't know, you know, that I had found these Mm -hmm. perfect worlds for myself, um, you know, and that was, you know, that part of it, but those definitely the feeling part is so deep and, um, but I, people will tell me I'm flat, and I'm like, how am I flat? Like I feel this so much. Like, like how are you not reacting to this? Like I'm so frustrated or angry or upset. Like I, I can tell that I'm like I'm not regulated by this thing, right? Like it's one way or the other from the regulation, and it's a problem. And I don't know how people can just like per- forget about it and do things. Like <laughs> you know, how yeah, does that work? <laughs> how do you not feel this the whole time? Like like I feel this every time, you know, kind of thing. So. Um, definitely resonates with me
0: so it, it's interesting because just highlighting if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly it's kind of like the the swimming and the exercise I, we I, I think Dr. John Rady had said you know if you could put exercise in a pill would be the ADHD drug of the century so that was right. really kind of helping you as a childhood that and then the piano is really kind of helping you in certain kind of ways on the autism side am I misru- understanding mm-hmm. that? So having the combination of those two would help you kind of deal with both of them over a period of time, which is great for you. Maybe not something everybody else has, but it really seems to help help your managing of the two.
3: Yes. Because um, even um, like the, the two days after I got my official diagnosis, right, there's still a, you know, you're 40 and there's this almost like a grief process, which is kind of weird um, because you've already known yeah, for a long it's time. True. It's a very weird thing to have mm-hmm. grief over something that you finally get like a you know confirmation on you're like yes i'm not wrong and then you get sad yeah. it's very weird. um there. but i came home and i put my headphones on i have a electronic piano and i put my headphones on i said to my husband like please don't ever like don't even walk past the door because it'll distract me and i really need this right now and i put my you know i played mm-hmm. piano for a couple of hours and just played because i couldn't I didn't have any other way to express it, you know, and then after I played, um, and then a couple days later, I was actually able to kind of talk about, like, what I was feeling and some of the grief and some of the reframing and some of the ah ahas. Like, it's been great. It's a great journey looking back, right, reframing that through a lens, but it's still difficult to, like, realize some things just didn't have to be so hard had I known this earlier, Um,
2: right? So. Well, and and the other thing that strikes me is that the pool for you was addressing both, right? So as you say, you know, the exercise managed the ADHD. The water managed helped you with the regulation on the sensory side. Mm -hmm. So it it actually served you in managing both of these different conditions. Yes, I would say so. Wow. Yeah, it was very weird to have, looking back, so, so so one of the things that I'm well, go ahead, Jeff. No, no, go ahead. So one of the things that I'm noticing in my practice, Carolyn, I've been doing a lot of more work with girls, but with noticing what I call very complex kids. And beginning and very often they're girls, teenage girls, and and there's certain cues the parents have given me where I'm beginning to send parents back for to have these kids evaluated. And almost every single time the kids are coming back with an, with an ASD diagnosis. And they've had previous diagnoses, but, um, you know, there's an article in Attention Magazine that talks about very complex kids. So what I'd like to ask you about some of the things that I've seen that's different in girls, and I'd like to hear from your perspective, what what's different about diagnosing a girl and what was different for you as you presented than it may have been for boys? Is, is that something you feel comfortable with? yeah
3: about? um I think so um i may if i get a little off topic just bring me back the ADHD mm-hmm. part um, <laughs> so i think you know um so because i'm So verbal, you know, I was reading, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, talking in complete sentences. I think by like two, like I talked to my parents when I was two and told them there was no Santa Claus, and I had a list of logical reasons, right? Like looking back, like my parents knew I was autistic. We just didn't know the word for it, right? Like my mom reading, like, your brain Mm -hmm. or these things, like, you know, because she was, we, we were talking about this later, that she's like, how could I miss this? I said, Mom, you never missed it. You always knew i my brain was different than everybody else's. We just didn't know it was autism, you know, and, um, but I've been told for years, as I've been questioning this, like I'm too social to be autistic or I'm too smart to be autistic or, um, I, I feel things. So you, you know, you, you feel, so you can't be autistic because people, you know, that's the, the generalities Mm -hmm. in the the world. Um, including, you know, even we were going to couples counseling and he literally cut me off and is like, you're not autistic. Like went on this rant and I was sitting there like mid diagnosis going, um, I am. And I know I am. You don't understand how difficult it is when I come home and the cleaning lady has been there and she's folded my blanket in a way I don't like. Like just Mm -hmm. because I don't have (laughs) as many support needs as others. You don't see me because here I'm a masking in front of you. I understand the social situation where we're two on one in a, in a room. It's easy for me to function in this environment. Um, But Mm -hmm. so the difference, I think, you know, looking back, you see the boys, they like line up their toys. Right. But well, My mom's like, well, you didn't do that. And I said, no, but I didn't play with my dolls. And she kind of looked at me Mm -hmm. and I said, I set up scenes. I used to read this Raggedy Ann and Andy book on tape over and over and over again And Mm -hmm. then I would play the character that was, like, the girl in the story and set my dolls up like they were in the nursery. Um, And that I just Mm -hmm. heard a term for it, and it's called display-based play versus, like, lining things up. And that's the term I went, oh, that's the term I've been looking for my whole life because that's how it is. And even a couple years ago, I was visiting family, and um, the girls are, they were, like, eight. Eight and seven at the time, and they were like, You know, play these LOL dolls with us. And I, I didn't know how to play. Like, I was like, What do you mean? Like, what's the story? And they had no background. Like, you just play. And I'm like, I, I can't do that, right? Like, I didn't know <laughs> how to just have this unscripted conversation. And, um, but as a kid, I loved playing school. And I look back at that and I go, Well, I love playing school because there were clearly defined roles, right? You were, when you divvied that up as a, as, you know, in a play setting with your friends, Somebody was a teacher. Somebody was a student. Somebody was a good student. Somebody mm-hmm. was a bad student, right? There were there were boundaries of, of the social norms that you were supposed to present in those situations. And I think, for mm-hmm. me, that's some of the biggest stuff I see um, with the difference. And then I think that just the verbal of it, right? Like, I'm verbal. I talk. Yeah. I have a huge vocabulary. I'm, a, a, like, I've yeah. read almost 100 books, and it's, it's not even the end of September. Um, and it's just... Uh, and the speed I read is ridiculous. Like I listen to audiobooks on two and a half speed and sometimes it's not fast enough. And um and it's just um I think that's where it's different, right? It's that pattern recognition mm-hmm. looks different. For girls and boys especially if for me I'm you know ling- like in that linguistic world where I love words and language and all that stuff and it also was a reprieve from the world right like it was nothing when I was a little kid to well, have my nose a in a book so to sit for two hours and read and nobody would even notice I remember being in school and I'd look up and we'd be on a completely different subject like two subjects later and mm-hmm. I would have no idea but I was reading and my teachers would just let me go because I was smart so um I just happened to fly under the radar because I was you
2: know, yeah,
3: all things, yeah.
2: So, so those and are well behaved, right? Like, is yeah, is it was well right. behaved. Yes, right. Yeah. So, yes. so you're not student, because school, you're a good yeah, student. so easy, right? But I,
3: I would go help my teachers, right? Like, I was the one that raised their hand first. I'd finish first. I would give be given jobs. Like, I look back and I'm reading more about girls with autism. and I'm like, oh, oh how did we not know? And I'm like, well, we just didn't know this information then, right? Like, um, we didn't, but exactly. exactly no. And I was always with. <laughs> Um, women, like even in high school, right, I would prefer to be around the seniors when I was a freshman because they just had more maturity and all those type of things. And they were just, you know, and I was always friends with boys because boys are easier to get along yeah. with in general. Their rules are straightforward. There's no talking between the lines, like all that kind of stuff. Like they're just direct and, um you know, and even my mom's like, oh, well, you were social. And I was like, yes, with my friends who were swimmers, mm-hmm. who turns out most of us are also neurodiverse. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. in the sorority well, crowd and, swim well, group. I was in the the nerd swim crowd group, right? Which we're all <laughs> neurodiverse
2: now, so we all found out. Late. And with boys, yeah. you don't you don't have to pick up on the social cues because they're more direct, and you don't have yeah. to figure out and what, they the do things, saying, right? they, what they they're saying. They They want
3: to do yeah. stuff. They go. They're like, "Let's go yeah.
2: hiking. Let's go do this."
3: Like you were just one of the guys, and it was just easy to felt feel like you belonged. So, um, yeah. Um, I don't know exactly all the things that are different from the boys. I just know that I started noticing patterns that were different, right, like within my own work and how I approach the girls. And um, I feel like girls get overlooked because we just somehow are taught better social skills because of our girls. And so somehow that translates into being overlooked a lot.
2: It's kind of how I think mm-hmm. about it. Um
3: I remember And like, as
2: you said, we didn't, we didn't know then. Jeff, do we need to take a break? Yes, we did. Take a break?
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. So let's, let's go another break. And I'm hoping those that are called to listen to this are really learning a lot because, I mean, this is really stimulating to me, which is why I had Elaine on here. Um, again, we're going to go to break. We're going to continue the conversation. Our secret word tonight is out, O-U-T. For those that want to learn more about Elaine, uh, go to their website at impactparents.com. Or that. We'll be right back after these messages.
1: You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio.
0: Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips.
1: The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to
0: addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.
1: you can get started moving forward today just call dig coaching practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation tell us you heard about us on attention talk radio and get 50 percent off your discovery session for more information visit digcoaching.com don't delay do it today and now back to attention talk radio
0: welcome back everybody we're here with carolina lane have a Great conversation about ADHD and autism kind of from the inside out. Um, <clears throat> it's been one show that's a unique. I've been quiet the whole time because I've been learning <laughs> thanks to the two of you guys. I oh, don't know you guys shut me up. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. There's a lot of people who would like <laughs> like more of that. Anyway, um, kind of moving forward, uh, I, this might be a difficult question for me to ask. It may be hard for you to answer, but I'm going to give it a shot. Carolyn, from your perspective and in, in your what you know about your ADD and what you know about your autism. Can you give us an inside view? Like what part of each thing do you identify with individually separate? Where's like, okay, this is ADD, this is autism, and maybe where they overlap. Is that, are you comfortable with that? Um, or
2: when does it matter?
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, okay.
2: Yeah. Good. Um, I can try. I'm just, I'm just,
3: I had to I, I at least have a piece of paper out. So I think for me, um, when I'm like, quote on, right. Like I'm, I'm in my best, my best self, my best world, my ADHD and autism work together. Um, I'll notice, for example, um, like, you know, Jeff, when we had coaching, you'd be like, wait, you already do that. I'm like, well, yeah, it doesn't everybody like you just figure out, you always forget where your keys are. So you give them a home, right? Like, like <laughs> I just do that naturally. And I think the difference is, is like the autistic side of me says, oh, this is a problem, this is frustrating for my autism side because this ADHD thing kind of causes a problem. So I'm going to come up with a solution since I like solving puzzles. And so I think when I'm at my best, they work with each other um back and forth. And then also that ADHD piece kind of gives me spontaneity and sometimes like where that impulse control um maybe you know, I decide to take the afternoon off because I'm having a hard time focusing, um, even though it's not my routine to do that, right? Like that kind of works together because I can recognize that stuff. But when they're not working well together, it's just a disaster. Um, and it can be really hard and and really um, frustrating because I'm trying to like stick to a routine and, you know, my ADHD doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And then, you know, or my ADHD is just not being very kind and there's nothing going on upstairs, you know, it's like just this, there's just days where my brain won't work and it's really hard, but at least now I understand what that is, um, and what's going on in more depth. Um, cause I can be a lot kinder to myself because I don't think something's wrong with me anymore. I understand that like these two things are in conflict and I think where the conflict comes a lot is sometimes with the feelings and the emotions for me. Um, I will logically know the the right answer, but it just takes my feelings side so long to, like, level out that it can be a really frustrating couple of days or weeks until they align, Um which was really weird with when I got my diagnosis because my feelings and logic aligned, and I think it's one of the first times they've ever done that, and I thought, huh, is this what, it like, most people are like when they have to, right? <laughs> like, like yeah, you know, and I
2: was <laughs> like, this is not so bad. Well, I like, know, you know, a
3: day or two, and I kind of was like, "All right, cool." Instead of like weeks, you know, where um, like if my husband and I get in a fight, and it could take me like a couple weeks before everything kind of was regulated again. Um, so it's it's very weird. Um, yeah. I
2: think. So can I ask right. you a question about that? Yes. Yeah. because yeah. it it really what part of what's been kind of jumping at me in this conversation is, you know, is it the ADHD? Is it the ASD? Is it both? Does it matter? As the question that really jumps at me is, if yes, you knew this, and then you got a diagnosis. What's different mm-hmm. for you? What made it important for you as an adult? You're not getting, you know, an IEP in the school system, or you know, what made it important for you as an adult to get this diagnosis? What's yeah, so. For you because of it?
3: My husband actually asked me this question because he he had been calling them my Sheldonism for about six months before I even mentioned to him that I thought, um, you know, like the Sheldon Cooper,
2: like the Sheldonism, (laughs) before
3: I even said, I think I should maybe consider looking towards getting a diagnosis, right? And that was about a year ago now that I mentioned it. And he's like, you know, I've been calling them your Sheldonism for like six months in my head and it just makes it easier to deal with. Like, I'm like, oh, she's just being weird like Sheldon. And I'm like, hmm, you know, and then a couple of my other friends, they say the same things kind of you know along those lines and um i start to realize that like it's just been it's just part of who i am but like like so, my husband said, "Why?" When I started talking about actually getting diagnosis, he said, "Well, well, why?" Because it's not like there's a medication. Right? We're, we're getting an ADHD diagnosis means there's medication that can help. Um, and he's like, "You already have all the strategies and tools. Like, you know everything. You teach this to your own kids that I right. you know, teach in the pool. Like, you know." And I and I couldn't think of an answer. And I was talking with my massage therapist about it, and he said it could literally just be because you're autistic and you have to know the answer because that's how your brain is. And I was like,
2: huh.
3: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right? Like, I was like, (laughs) that tracks. Huh. Yeah. That tracks. And then I think for me, too, um, it's the me too of it. Um, So when I teach these kids with special needs and they say to me, I have ADHD, and I get to say me too, right? Um, The same thing with some of the the kids I have on spectrum that I work with in the pool. Um, Like, I've always just got them and understand how they work, and I didn't know why. Now I know why. But Mm-hmm. For me to be able to say to them, me too, um, has been really empowering. So I was in the middle of getting my diagnosis um, that week, and I had the first session, and she's like, wink, wink, you pretty much passed this you know. I was so worried I wasn't going to be autistic enough to pass the <laughs> diagnosis. She's like, no, we've every single box, Caroline. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I, said, I talked to um, – right.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah.
3: So I'm like, hmm. I'm like off the charts here. This is interesting. Right. Like I'm I'm used to being in the 98th percentile, a lot of things, but this is a weird <laughs> thing to be in the 98th percentile for. Um, but I had a swimmer that night, I had a lessons that night and I had um texted mom and I said hey I want you to know I started this process I've been talking with her she's part of um the board at the autism society her son has some you know he's a tween and teen and um we just kind of get each other and I said she's known the whole time I've been working through this and I said I'm I'm starting this process all signs point to Yes. I was wondering if it'd be okay if I told Liam like that I'm I'm getting tested for autism. I'm kind of curious what the reaction will be, and she said absolutely you can tell him. I she's like we're pretty sure at this point anyway, Caroline. Like you've shown me all the tests you've taken, like <laughs> so. Um, and, and um and so uh, I tell him at the pool, and he goes, uh, you know I said oh I went to the doctor today, and he's like you know he's like oh are you okay? And I said yes. I said I was taking a test to see if I have autism, and he's like well do you?
2: you know like and I said Mm
3: -hmm. well they I have to take some more tests but um but the the doctor thinks yes and then he you know goes underwater and he's underwater for a while pops back up and he goes wait a minute you're old and I said yeah and he goes but I found out when I was little like I don't I barely remember being tested so you've had to go your whole life without knowing and I said
2: wow well yeah
3: and he went Oh, that must be hard. And he like, goes back under the pool water, right? And I'm just sitting there, and like, his mom's hearing all of this, and we're both like, just big tears in our eyes. And and then he comes up, yeah. and and he's like, you know, he's like, mom, you know, coach has autism like me. This is the coolest <laughs> thing ever. And um, and he like looks at me, and he goes, this is like finding out that your friend is actually like your brother. This is just awesome. Like, this is
2: the coolest wow. thing. And I was like
3: wait a and moment right there. Right. That's right. Like beautiful. I'm just like,
2: yeah.
3: And it's beautiful. And that, right. So if people are like, like I didn't expect yeah. that story to happen, but that's why, because, um, and I also know through other things like saying I'm an adult with ADHD that my own cousins have said, huh. Right. Like I've gotten a late, you know, late diagnosis. They, they went and they ended up getting ADHD diagnoses. Um, and, um, you know, um, Jeff, you know my story about my daughter and being a birth mom mm-hmm. and all that. Yep. And like being vocal about the choices I've made or how I'm wired brings perspective mm-hmm. to others. So yeah. even um, when I was coaching, I was heavily totally. involved in the, the the DEI side of swimming. That was like, that's where I fit, um, which makes the most sense now, right? Like in Wista. In mm. Right in that group of people. And so through our chamber, they've actually launched a DEI initiative. And so I get to go in and my stance is not just a female entrepreneur. I am a female entrepreneur with neurodiversity struggles and ADHD. And this is why networking is hard. And this is why this, and now I get to add autism to the mix because I'm not the only one. Um, And there's a lot more than we realize, you know, and um, I, if, I have a voice like standing in that so others may find that path or understand it's okay to ask those questions um, is a good spot for me. It just feels good. It's the right, like not in a like feels good, like yay, but it, it just feels the, like the right space for me to be. No,
2: it's um, making a contribution in, in a powerful yes. way. There, there's yeah, something and impacting. you're pointing to that's really, that's really interesting. So, you know, in the ADHD realm, people have been asking Jeff and me, I'm sure both for, for years, Why is there so much more ADHD? It must be overdiagnosed. And what we're realizing is that there are a lot of reasons that we know more about it, but it's mostly because we understand it so much better we're able to recognize it. And we're now in the same place with with the world of autism. We understand it better. We can recognize it. We can see it in girls. We can see that it's different. We can see it in adults and see how that's manifested. And so we're seeing so much more of it because we understand it, not because it came out
0: of nowhere. Absolutely.
2: So I, I need to kind of start bringing this to a close, but I, I do want to
0: ask you, Caroline, we worked together before you had the autism diagnosis.
1: Mm-hmm. And as I
0: said at the beginning of the show, I'm not so sure I really did a lot for you other than validate that you were doing so much right, with one exception. And this might be my pers- my perception, and this is why I'm asking the question, is, is, in our work to understand and validate that you were doing things right, I felt like the, the thing that you walked away with was emotionally, you detached yourself and you had more confidence. Am I misrepresenting that? No, it's, it's not at all. And so now yeah, it's I'm the asking. uncertainty
3: of it. And yeah. So now,
0: what, what's interesting to me in this conversation, you reached out to me, is the confidence that you have in who you are. We revealed the mystery. You kind of know what's going on. You see that you're kind of pulling that stuff together. I I don't even know how to ask this question, but on the emotional side of all this stuff, you seem to be much more at peace, much more able to self-regulate your emotions. And I I, I, I kind of go, why? Is it because you're high functioning? Because maybe you you got the clarity? Maybe there's not an answer to that, but I'm just kind of curious. Um, How did you get the Um, confidence?
3: I think... um because I am such a self-taught person, right? Like if I need to learn something, I'll just go out and figure it out, right? That that part of me. Um, sometimes I don't actually know if I'm doing something correct or not as an adult, right? Um, like um, in school, right? The teacher tells you, you get feedback, right? When you're being coached in the pool, you get feedback from your coach. Yep. Yes, like this. No, not like this, right? Like all that kind of stuff. Um, in adult life, there's no feedback, and if you are, um, unknowingly autistic and ADHD and have had a relatively, um, you know, like good parents and things, I didn't know what like bad relationships were until I was in enough of them that, um, I had the pattern knowledge to be like, oh, that's a red flag I need to look out for. Right. Because until mm-hmm. I understood that that was her thing, um, And so then I I think by the time I came to you, I'd kind of already worked through some of the Brene Brown stuff and really embracing, like, Mm cold-hearted living. And then I got the ADHD diagnosis and, like, so many of the things I was struggling with made sense, right? Like, I'm not bad at money. Nobody just taught me how to do money with ADHD, right? Like, it's not that I can't pay bills on time. It's just I I never – had the capacity to sit down and figure out a strategy that helped me manage that, you know, or had enough money mm-hmm. where I wasn't struggling to like, I could just set it and forget it and be, have it automated for, you know, a month and be okay, you know, and know that all the basics were covered and then I could sit down one day and do the rest. And um, it, it's uh, so sometimes I think for me, like having that coach or that mentor say like, yes, that's correct. Or have you thought about it this way? Um, Reframing it, things like that for me are good. And I think that's where that confidence comes from is getting the confirmation that like, no, you really are doing things right. Because if nobody, if you don't know that you're doing it right or wrong because you're trying to figure it out (laughs) and then you don't read social cues well, right? Like I can't tell by somebody's facial expression, generally, like, did I do that okay or not? Right. Like, I'm trying. I'm yep. trying to figure yeah. it out. But I need that, like, coaching teacher to give me that reinforcement and then I think that's where that confidence comes from, Um is is mm-hmm. that. And then, you know, understanding that the struggles I had as a teen in, like, 6th, 7th, 8th grade where I didn't really know who I was. And I didn't know who I was until I was almost 30, right? And then I got my ADHD diagnosis and more puzzle pieces fell in place and I get to autism. And that, like, knowing who you are and being able to stand in it, if you're constantly, like, The world doesn't really make sense to you because people say it should be something and you're like, I don't think that way or I don't function that way. It can be really challenging to navigate that in your own brain that is so different from everyone else.
2: Um,
3: But once you get confirmation that that's better, I'm doing that correctly, you can build on that. And I think that's where that comes from. Awesome. Um, awesome. And honest. In all honesty, yeah. I mean, your coaching was was great. Like it was. I I needed to know what I was doing well, where my weaknesses were, mm-hmm. and what I could do to improve. And that's, <laughs> that's also how I like approach everything, that's, that's right? Kind like, of what that's coaching
2: just, is in a nutshell, right? <laughs> yeah. And so understanding that
3: that was an option, right? Like I'm reading things, I'm watching videos, but am I actually applying these things? And then when I find out, yep. yes, you are, I'm like, oh, okay, good. I don't need to worry about that anymore. I just need to keep doing it, right? Like I don't have to stress over it. So it's no longer taking up, like, learning energy. It's yep. just executing it now, yep. and that's a lot. I think maybe the coaching wrapped that up for me into, like, a, okay, you can execute now, and then it becomes part of who I am and how I function and how so, I be in the world. It's, so so I, I usually I'm
0: really quick to take credit, but I don't know if I can take a lot of credit because, Carolyn, you did a lot of work on your own. You brought brought that to the table. I do need to pull this together. The one thing I, w- I do want to say is that the people that are drawn to listen to it, you listen to it for a reason. And I hope you're really inspired by Caroline, what she done. she's done. She she's, was tenacious over the years to try to work to kind of figure out that continuous improvement, even in a time where they didn't even have language and even diagnosis. So some of that stuff, that really got kind of confusing. And so, I, again, I'm I gr- so grateful that you came on the show, the show' story. Um, Any last thoughts, Elaine, or or questions before we wrap this up, knowing we've got to bring to a close? I
2: I just want to acknowledge, Carolyn, the amazing journey you've been on, and thank you for sharing it, and really want to honor that. Oh, thank you. Um, A lot of people get stuck in in either of these diagnoses, and there's this way in which you seem to have played them off to support each of the other in a beautiful way. Like you've used your ASD to manage your ADD, and you've used your ADHD to manage your ASD in in a really interesting way. And, and I think there are some insights there for how we can support people moving forward to do that more effectively, more consciously and intentionally.
0: Absolutely well said. And also at the same yeah, time, thank you let, so not much. letting one take the other one down.
2: Exactly. Yes.
3: Yeah, I mean, because it, it yeah, knowing it there's kind of a backup order. plan, right? Yeah, it's kind of nice Absolutely. knowing that there's something to work against it.
2: Yep. <laughs> all yeah. Right.
3: So with all that, thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Elaine, for coming on the show. Absolutely, thank you,
0: everybody. Our secret word tonight is out. O u t. Again, learn more about Elaine by going to impactparents.com. dot com. I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Catch us next week. Take care.